It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Monday, June 27th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Sitka's search and rescue team rescued an injured hiker on Thursday evening. According to Assistant Fire Chief David Johnson, 911 dispatchers received a call around 345 from a man who fell while hiking the Indian River Trail. A hiking buddy made the 911 call and said they believed the man had broken his ankle. SAR Captain Matthew Hunter said the hiker had been crossing the first bridge on the trail when the railing gave way. That's when the hiker fell and hurt his leg. Hunter said 10 volunteers and two fire hall staff responded to the call. They found the hiker around a mile and a half down the trail and brought him back to the trailhead on a rolling litter. The litter wheel is basically one big ATV tire that is underneath the center of the litter. It allows us to go over, you know, anything from large rocks to boardwalk steps. Um, it, It makes a relatively cushy ride in the litter and then allows us to put most of the weight on that tire. Hunter said it took nine people carrying the litter around two and a half hours to make it back to the trailhead. Still, the flat trail made it a bit easier. Rescues can be much more challenging on other hikes. Uh, if someone gets hurt you know, in Gavin or Bristovia, it's going to be hours and require more people because it is exhausting work. Thankfully, uh, we had a, a great crew and working as a team, we can do stuff that can't be done individually. So it's, it's a fulfilling to help someone and not just train. The rescue team made it back to the trailhead shortly before 7 p.m., where an ambulance was awaiting to take the hiker to Mount Edgecum Medical Center. Like many rural communities, Sitka struggles to keep up with its feral cat population. However, because of the island's limited genetic diversity, an interesting and somewhat rare genetic mutation has made its way into the gene pool. KCAW's Tosh Kimmel reports. Two years ago, Anna Laffrey was out for a walk on the Sitka Cross Trail when she stumbled upon something unexpected. I literally thought that I saw a three-headed cat, and I stopped on the sidewalk and then took a step closer into the brush, and they scattered. It was a litter of kittens. She knew she'd have to act quickly. It was winter in Sitka, and they wouldn't last long in the elements. Eventually, with the help of some friends, she was able to capture one of them. We used a butterfly net (laughs) and a pot. Yeah, we picked her up with a jacket and we had a big stock pot and we kind of dropped her in the pot with blankets and took her home. What she didn't know when she brought home that tiny, terrified kitten is that she was a carrier of a unique genetic mutation. This is Alice. She's polydactyl. It looks like she has thumbs. She has huge paws. She can pick up a blueberry with her hand. Put simply, cats with polydactylism are born with extra digits. In Alice's case, that means six toes on each front paw for a total of 20 toes. Most cats have 18. But while Alice's megamits may seem like a one in a million, the mutation is actually quite common here in Sitka. According to visiting veterinarian Nicole Carraway, Sitka's lack of genetic diversity makes it a perfect breeding ground for the dominant trait. One parent has it and the other parent doesn't, then there's a 50% chance that all the kittens that are born will have polydactyl or, or extra toes. So because it's a dominant trait, it is something that, that um, is basically guaranteed to be passed on. 
the population genetically here is smaller, so you're going to see more of that mutation. While some may assume Sitka's mutant cat population is a result of inbreeding, Caraway says the gene can and does occur in all feline populations. Um, I normally work at a very busy practice in um, in Northern California, and um, where animals are obviously less likely to be inbred, and I still see a great deal of it. No one really knows how prevalent polydactylism is on the island. There's never been a study, but guesses range from 5% to a third of the population. However, according to animal control officer Jim Rogers, there never seems to be a shortage of them at the local shelter. I met with Rogers at the animal shelter. On a whiteboard, he pointed out the names of all the kittens who'd recently been yeah, rescued. Yeah, the kittens that, all, all of the kittens that are polydactyl have been fostered at the moment. Oh, gotcha. All of these guys, every single kitten is polydactyl, but they're all, they're all out right now. Right, okay. Um, but I can show you, you go, I think. in the same spot he is. Hey, buddy. How are you doing? He gets a little nervous with strangers. Hi. Hi. Can we see these paws? Can we see them without you scratching? Let's see. Can you pull this one out? See what I'm talking about? Oh, wow. He has a lot of toes. Yeah. Two extra ones. Let's see one, two, While these unique yeah. felines are slinking around at a higher rate than Sitka, vet Nicole Caraway says the condition seems most common on the eastern seaboard, where they were historically kept as ship cats. It's said that sailors once believed they brought luck, and that their extra claws made them expert mousers. It's impossible to know when the first polydactyl cat made it onto the shores of Sitka, but as a town full of fishermen, it only seems right that these funky-footed cats should call this place home. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Tosh Kimmel. Clinkit, the language of Southeast Alaska's Clinkit people, is critically endangered. Recently, the University of Alaska Southeast announced the college will offer some Alaska Native language classes for free beginning this fall. Other language revitalization efforts are smaller scale. As KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, one Wrangell student has been working hard to produce a podcast of Clinkit language and storytelling. This is the introduction to my beginning Clinkit student podcast. Throughout my episodes, I will talk about Clinkit history in Southeast Alaska. I will cover Clinkit language, stories, and appreciation. And as I go on, 16-year-old Mia Wiederspoon has studied Clinkit for about two years. So I said, my name is Yesh Dlak, so that means Raven's sister. Um, and the reason I chose that name is because my grandpa, who just passed away, would always call me sister. She didn't necessarily set out to make a podcast. Her experience putting Clinkit on the airwaves started with another show called Applications of Learning Clinkit Language. That was originally a program to help teach Wrangell elementary students beginning Clinkit. We did that and then we turned it into our little radio show because it's the same material. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's same beginning Clinkit. And then I learned history through teaching history, like telling stories on my podcasts and that sort of thing. Wiederspoon says she was inspired by the way her Clinkit teacher, Juan Klein, Virginia Oliver, or the frost on the beach when the glacier passes over, structured her classes. History, stories, and language. 
she would do that like every day all th hit three things those three things every day and I was just like okay I really like how that works it sounds good it's fun to hear and I think I can make a podcast out of it so that's where I got my idea was from her teaching Wiederspoon says her favorite part of the podcast project was including her classmates, speaking with them in Hlinket. Because I would I would go on the radio and ask them, you know, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite animal? That sort of thing. How do you say, or like, what's your introduction? Wiederspoon says when it came to naming the podcast, she'd been thinking something basic, like beginning Schlinkit language podcast. But when she asked her teacher what she thought, Oliver had a better idea. She comes to tears when she thinks of Mia's gift because it's she goes, it's your contribution to the culture and the community. And that brought her to tears. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of making me um, sad, but not sad, but just sentimental. Wiederspoon has already received accolades for the podcast. Earlier this year, she was named the Wrangell Chamber of Commerce's Young Leader of the Year. She also won a $1,500 scholarship from Spirit of Youth for winning their Dreamer Award. Wiederspoon will be a junior in high school this year. She says she'll try and finish high school requirements early so she can take college courses during her senior year. That's going to make it difficult to put together more episodes of Mia's Gift, but she wants to try. I'm not going to have my Clinkett class next year. And I'm not going to have an OJT, so it's going to be really hard for me to continue. But I, I still think I'll, I'll end up doing something either way, because I really love it. OJT is on-the-job training, which allowed her to record her podcast this year. One topic Wiederspoon wants to pursue is diving deeper into the history of the former Bureau of Indian Education boarding school in Wrangell, the Wrangell Institute. Listen to Mia's gift on kstk.org. Thank you so much for listening. Gunish chisha khet yin tsa akhet. Ziagin See you later. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a look at the weather for Sitka for today, Monday, June 27th, 2022. Today, mostly cloudy in the morning, then clearing. Highs 67 to 72. Northwest winds around 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy. Lows in the lower 50s. West winds around 10 miles per hour. And looking forward to tomorrow, partly cloudy. Highs 69 to 75. West winds around 10 miles per hour. You're tuned in to your community radio station, Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Good morning. This is 